Pulp MX Network production. Welcome to the Pulp Hockey Show with Ray Ferraro and Steve Mathis. Support the show by clicking the Amazon banner on PulpHockey.com before shopping. Follow the show on Twitter at Pulp Hockey. Subscribe on iTunes and find us on Stitcher or your favorite podcast app. Welcome, everybody, to another edition of Pulp Hockey Podcast. Thank you for listening. Thank you for downloading. Please check us out on Twitter, at Pulp Hockey, on Instagram, at Pulp Hockey. And, uh, or you can go to pulphockey.com to listen that way or get it wherever you get pods. And uh, another week has gone by from the show and another week to uh, talk NHL with this man. TSN lead color analyst, former NHLer, former Hartford Whaler, everybody. Ray Ferraro, what's up, Ray? How are you? I'm good. I am... Um... Back now on the NHL beat. I'm, uh, <laughs> I did a couple of games this week. Um, I was in Chicago on Sunday, and I uh, was in Toronto on Tuesday. And uh, now I'm just in the airport uh, flying to Ottawa. So at St. Louis back-to-back. I had them last night, which was Tuesday, in Toronto, and then tomorrow in Ottawa as Ottawa gets back off their bye week. Speaking of uh, the Whalers, you, have you ever listened to one of these shows? What do you mean? Have like, I? Like gone back. Gone back and listened to the intro we have. Uh, yeah. Oh. Some time ago. But we have the brass yeah, but I, well, we have the brass bonanza at the beginning of the show. Now, it's funny, people mocked that song <laughs> except they all loved it. Right. They, right. It it was almost like a some tune from your childhood that you or you know, from your teen years that you didn't tell anybody that you liked. <laughs> right, right. But you kinda did. Yeah. So one time in Hartford, they decided, okay, they were going to change the Brass Bonanza. Uh-huh. And so you got to remember, this is like, you know, early 80s, or mid-80s, rather. Yep, yep. And so we we don't know, the players don't know, but we score, and they're playing uh, Celebrate from Cool in the Game. <laughs> nice. And we're like, we're like, what the hell was that? And then we scored again. We're like, oh, that's kind of neat, you know, because it was mm-hmm. different. Yeah, yeah. And then it lasted one game. And the people hated it. The fans <laughs> rioted. Right. They wanted their brass bonanza back. Ah, love brass bonanza. Um, hey, so we saw yesterday on Twitter, uh, Darren Pang, and you were uh, calling the action from uh, the ringside. How much tough golf- to focus with tough to, tough to focus with Panger there? I got to be honest. With how you. much golf talk? Just how much golf talk? We were um, at one point. Panger got hit with a stick, <laughs> and uh, so. Right away, he's, during the play, he's working on his, you know, taking a practice swing to see if his takeaway is okay. And so we're kind of fiddling around with his, <laughs> with his right wrist there to make sure he's all right. We, we, um, th- there's not a a visit that uh, when Panger and I run together. Uh-huh. Well, actually, probably when Panger runs with anybody, that golf doesn't come up. And so we were. We, we had some things to discuss yesterday, right? Possible trips and what might come next, and <laughs> so. Uh, yeah, so uh, golf's always on the on the agenda. Especially like at some point in the third, it was five or six minutes with no whistles, no nothing. You know, uh, you no, know, yeah, it wasn't the no whistles; it was the no nothing that happened. <laughs> like there, so last night in the game. Now, I, I think I'm a 
you know, I'm on board with the changes that have been made for the most part mm-hmm. to the game. So it's faster and we want more offense. But there, there is a, a lack of bite to yes. a lot of games. And, you know, I'm not saying that, and I'm no proponent of fighting, not at all. If, if there was fighting or not fighting, I could care less. Doesn't doesn't make the game or hurt the game to me, whether it's in or out. I, I get why people don't like it. I get why people like it. But when Matt Martin hit Kyle Brodziak behind the net yep. yesterday, I don't understand why he had to fight. Because there was nothing wrong with the hit. Yep. And the fact becomes, guys let other players off the hook now more than they used to, without question. Mm -hmm. There's less hitting today than there was three or four years ago. Oh, yeah. Um, Because when... When I played, watch a watch a game back in the '90s, or the you know there was wrestling, and you know I mean there was all kinds of physical play, but it wasn't to the point yet where players were finishing their check, where they were you know you'd pass the puck and a guy would come three two yeah. seconds later and finish their check on you because if they came you just cross checked them in the <laughs> in the shoulder I'll say like you got your stick up and you know, to protect yourself, but you can't do that anymore. Right. So then the, the guys that started to quote unquote, finish their checks, they, they became rampant. And now that's gone away because Mm -hmm. if you really flatten somebody in, in almost every case, the guy has to drop their gloves. So I think guys don't want to do it anymore. And why would they? Like it's in my mind, it's kind of garbage. If it's a clean hit, it's a clean hit. It's part of the game. It's but my biggest pet peeve in the game. Bothers, it really is. It's my yeah, biggest like, pet peeve. Like, oh, I'm telling you, Steve. Like, it's just it's not. It's not. Um, it's not supposed to be a dirty sport mm-hmm. anymore. Mm-hmm. But it's not supposed to be a sport with no emotion. Yep. And for a lot of the game last night, like you talked about that six seven minute stretch. Yeah. The puck, it was like ping pong. The puck just went up and yeah. back, up and back, up. Nothing happened. Yep. There wasn't even any real chances. Like, if there were chances, I'm in. I'm like, great. Maybe there'll be three or four goals here. But there was no chance of that happening. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's it, it's funny that it was a player like Martin Yeah. for me as well, because that player, that type of player, for the most part, is being phased out of the league. Mm-hmm. And in, in his hit, yesterday was nothing more than getting to the puck right at the right time. And Brodziak, whether we saw him or not, made the play that he had to make, took the check. He, he was fine. He jumped back up, but it wasn't an egregious run. It wasn't a, a high hit. It mm-hmm. wasn't any of that stuff. And so that, that kind of bugged me last night about the game. Yeah. It, it, that's, I, I can't stand that. I don't know what happened. What, yeah, you're right though. There's there's less emotion. There's less there's less uh, after the whistle. There's less fighting than ever before. Fighting is at all time low, and I think all the Knights games I've seen this year, I think we've been to almost every home game, save four or five. I think we've seen one fight, one actual drop the gloves and fight. And uh, you know what's it's, crazy? It's the crazy. regular season has the lack of emotion that we're talking about. Mm-hmm. Be, for a number of reasons. One of them that there's 82 games and you can't have emotion like that every night. It's not the NFL where you play 16 games and mm-hmm. right, like it's it's just different. Yep. But the the crazy part about that is the regular season, while at times just drudges on and it feels like it's not important, you can't get to the playoffs unless you have a good regular season. 
and the playoffs are where the games really ramp up and they become the hockey that we all love. It's like we were tantalized with these little pieces of cheese along the way. Oh, here's a good game. Oh, did you see that game over there? That was a good one. How about this one? Yeah, that was great. Yeah. And then the playoffs come and you get the full dinner. Yeah. But you got to yeah. get yourself through this. And I don't know exactly what the answer is, but I do know that when they took the red line out, that stretched the game east or stretched the game north and south. Yeah. And for a lot of it, that was great. However, what happens now is you get you know, the, the, pat, or the slap pass from behind the net, the deflection mm-hmm. from the other side of center behind the net, they stop it, and then they do the same thing. <laughs> yep. Like nothing happens. Yep. If you, Scotty Bowman has, this, has had this idea for forever, and that's that there would be uh, a pass line just at the top of the circles. And so you would be, the only way, uh, like a two-line pass would come back into the game, yeah. But you would have, not from inside your blue line, you know, when you have yeah. to complete it by the red line you'd, 20 feet away, you'd be able to pass it from the insides of your circle to the red line. And what that would do is it would create more plays that have to be given goes. You yeah. wouldn't have that long slap pass because it would be icing. And yeah. I thought when he first came up with it, that, or when I first heard it from him, that ah, it's just one more line on the ice. Yeah. But I, I kind of think it makes a lot of sense because it would make the players come closer together. There would be a little more contact. But what there would be is the game would lose that ping-pong feel where it just goes up and down the ice with nothing happening. I, right. I don't know. I've, I've come around to thinking this is, a, this is a good way to think. Why do you think that you can't legally hit somebody anymore or have a big, let's say, big legal hit? Because you can't legally hit you can't have a Yeah, you can. You just have to fight now. Yeah. And I think guys don't want to do it. Why why do guys want why are there why is there fighting after a clean hit? Like what when did that start happening? I want to say turn of the century. Not century. that long ago, eh? Yeah, You think it was that long ago? Yeah, no, I don't. 5 It was after I played. It was after I retired, which yep. was 02, for 02, sure. yeah, yeah. But uh, I you know, I don't have an exact time, but yep. all of a sudden it was like when the finishing the check thing came in. It, it all of a sudden that was the um, that was the message. Yeah. Finish your checks. Finish your checks. Finish your checks. They never told us that. What they used to tell us was protect yourself. Get your stick up. I remember as a rookie being told as a veteran, "Hey man, if somebody comes running at you like that, you get your stick up." Yeah. You can't do that anymore. Yeah. And if you did it, you'd get a penalty. So by lowering your stick, which is a good thing, the next um, unintended circumstances. Or these yes. rats running around finishing their checks yeah. without touching the puck. Almost going through the, you, trying to go through you, you know? Like, yeah, the, yeah. Matt, the Matt Cooks, yep. uh, Yarko Rutus. Um, those players were born right around that time. And then it just got completely out of hand. And then somewhere in all of this, we get what happened last night, which, yeah. I, look, I, Chris Thorburn was in that game to make sure Matt Martin didn't run around. Mm-hmm. Matt Martin lays a, a lick on Brodziak, and they fight. And the crazy part is, for about 58 minutes, the two best St. Louis chances were from Chris Thorburn. <laughs> yeah, yeah, really, right? He had a, he had a breakaway. Yeah. Yep. He went to the back end, shot it over, and he almost got a wraparound as well. He played quite well last night. Um, I, I remember you've told some stories on this on this podcast where if you got tagged really well, you'd come back to the bench, and the guys would be like, hey, keep your head up. Keep like, your head up. You know what I mean? Like, there's no fighting to defend you. It was it was your fault for not keeping your head up. 
And, so. But the thing is, the game was also played at a pace that you could manage a little bit better what was going on. Yeah. Now, I'm not saying slow the game down, but if you compact the game, like squeeze it east and west, and that would be by putting that pass line in, if you do that, I think you've got a chance to, mm-hmm. to allow more contact, more legal contact, but the guys aren't going as fast because you're boxed in yeah, you're a little bit. Yep. So, but I don't think it would return it to the, the Devils of 95, which was like poking your eyes out watching mm-hmm. those guys play. It, won't, it wouldn't do that, in, in my opinion, anyway. Yeah, because you still have the trapezoid back there. You know, which, which but, was, you also, but, yeah. but Steve, the pass line's the key. Yeah. Because that gives you another 10 or 15 feet from the yep. blue line to the top of the circle. So you could still make a pass that's not yep. a two-line pass. It could, be, it could be 90 feet. Yeah, no, absolutely. No, I get it, for sure. And then when I, when I talk about the trapezoid, because they, Marty was back there just, I got Sorry. it. I got it. See, but I think the trapezoid's <laughs> backwards, Steve. You do? Yeah. Yeah, you've said that before. Right. Like, I think, I think the, the lines should be narrower behind the net. And the goalie can't go can't behind go the there. net, right? Yeah, to to stop the wraparound. So if he wants to go out in the corner, go ahead and get it, yeah. because a lot of times those guys with their gloves and their and their stick, you know, they think they're helping, but what they do is they they yeah. screw the screw the deal up. But I I think you would be able to pass the puck behind, mm-hmm. you know, from one side to the other much easier. But hell, every time there's a rule, somebody's got another yeah, side to it, yeah, and, you so, know, and and it becomes one convoluted thing after another, like this, like the offside rule, right? Right. Um, that thing that was the easiest rule in the history of the game. <laughs> They've now made it the most confounding rule next to goalie interference. Yeah, we talked about it last week. It's just unbelievable what's going on. They're they're just they're micromanaging this thing. Um, hey, so I didn't get your take. Lots of talk in the media the last week or two. Austin Matthews uh, ice time, Austin Matthews power play time. You know, he's not on the number one unit. What do you make of all this? What's your take on all of that? Well, you know, the Leafs power play runs at about 20%. Mm-hmm. Um, so there is the argument that, well, look, it's been successful. Well, they were out of the gate at about 30%. They were, yeah. And so while you do look at it in totality, I think you have to look at it and go, Okay, in the last month, what's happening? Because that's really, that's really your your baseline. It's like a team. I guess the Leafs could be one of those that put throw many points in the bank early on. That you know they've stumbled through this stretch, and you look at the record, and they're still pretty good, and they're still mm-hmm. in the playoffs. They haven't won in regulation in in over two weeks now. And I know they had a five day yeah. break, but their last one was December twenty eighth that they won in regulation. So I guess there should be some recency to looking at, at power play as well. Sure. I, I am a little little surprised that Matthews is, you know, is bogged down a little bit. Um, you know, they like that, you know, Bozak, Van Riemsdyk, Kadri, Marner group um, with whoever they've got on the blue line. Like, yeah. they like that group. Yep. Marner's got five goals. Kadri's got one goal and seven. Oh, boy, it's bad. It's bad right now for him. You, you know, so... I don't understand why there there hasn't been a little change. One thing for sure, and I was talking to a couple guys last night, that they're like, or at any point, will they rattle the lines around and see if there's more from a different combination? Because last night, they kept running the same four lines over the board. The only change that Babcock made was when they had the one nothing lead, there was mm-hmm. an offensive zone faceoff with about three and a half minutes left. 
Yeah. And uh, Con- Connor Brown went out instead of Nylander. Yeah, no, the that o- was it. The only guy that ever pays a price on the team, the only guy that ever pays a price is Willie Nylander. That's it. He's the only guy that ever but, gets. But how, about, but how about in the game last night, Kadri had a couple of good chances. Patrick Marlowe, I, I don't, didn't even notice him. Mm-hmm. That's six games in a row without a point. Komarov does what he does. Oh, boy. But he's not going to score, mm-hmm. ever. He got four goals this year. So why does that line go over the boards all the time as the same? Mm-hmm. Last night, I thought the only line that had any real zip was, was Hyman, Nylander, and, Marn, er, and uh, Matthews. Yep. And, but the, like Van Riemsdyk had a brutal night. Um, Bozak didn't get much done. So why not change the lines at the start of the third period for a couple shifts? See if you get a spark. But, but Babcock seems He's, resolute yeah. that oh. those are the lines and those are what's staying. And I'm, and I'm really quite surprised because not everybody has a good night every time. I mean, that's just, yeah. just the way it is, right? And so yeah. on a night where maybe JBR is struggling a little bit or, Mar- or Marlo struggling a little bit, why not change them? Why not flip them for a couple of shifts? You might get something. Only Nylander pays the price. That's it. That's it. That's it. Well, Marner had a little stretch there. But um, going back to Mike Babcock stays in Detroit, and and you would know this more than than me or anybody with Landon there and everything else. You watch a lot of games. Did Datsuk, was he limited? Was he he just – what was his ice time like? No, he was – you know, Datsuk and Zetterberg were always 20 minutes. Okay, so Babcock, it's not a history of Babcock doing this or anything with guys in Detroit or nothing. That I, no, no I, right. some of it I, I think is, you know, you're, you're young and you have to earn your way, and, which uh-huh. I think is, is fine, but Matthews is different. <laughs> he's, he's different. Um, he's totally different. It, totally. It, 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 would be, it would be like saying to Connor McDavid, well, you've got to ease your way in because right. you're 21. Like, who the hell cares? You're the best player. He's the best player on the team. Oh, by far, and, uh, yeah, absolutely. Matthews. And he doesn't he doesn't get minutes like that. No. And, I, and I, I'm curious, you know, how many more minutes he can handle because he can't handle 23, but he could easily handle in the 20 minute range, I think. Mm-hmm. But to do that, like, who's losing minutes? Would it be Bozak off the power play? Because clearly, they don't want to play Bozak too much five on five. Mm-hmm. You know, they guard him pretty much there. So Bozak get, yet. So if you're guarding him five on five, now you get into a position at the end of the game, they lose control of the puck, four straight face-offs. They win a couple draws, but don't get it out. Yep. But they're all three guys on the ice, Komarov, Marlow, and Kadri are all left-handed, and the face-off is in the other side of the ice, the first couple. Mm-hmm. Like, why wouldn't Bozak be out there for the draw? He's your best guy on that side of the ice. And the other thing I thought in that last little stint, I couldn't believe that Zach Hyman wasn't on the ice. Yeah, that, that is Mike's like, guy. Right, yeah, for sure. Well, and not yeah. only not yeah. his, or his guy, but that's what he does. Mm-hmm. That's what, like, that yeah. puck goes around the boards. He'll, he'll eat it. He'll just like, sit he'll, there. Yep. He'll, he'll, stick on, <laughs> he'll stick his teeth on it to get it out of the zone. Right, right. And three times they had a chance to get it out, and it didn't get out. And, and I, I don't know, I just, I was surprised that of the, of the three guys, you know, why was Hyman there? Marlowe had a brutal night. I wouldn't have had him on the ice. I would have had Hyman. And then you would have had a right-handed centerman or a right-handed guy who takes face-offs for you shorthanded. Mm-hmm. So why can't he take one then? 
just play Austin Matthews more, Mike Babcock. That's it. Uh, he's just he's so good. Uh, I don't know. I, I I was surprised that Kadri lost the first one, first draw, pretty good, and he went right back in the circle the next time. Uh, was and he, then he lost. And he, then the second one, he kind of tied up. Yep. And Marlo took the next one yep. or the next two. And Marlo lost both. So. And, uh, and well, Marlo won one, and one was tied. I think. Yeah, that's true. He did win one. Yeah. You know, but but my point is yep. that I, I don't. I would have had Hyman on the ice. Yep. But. Um, I'm just standing. I'm on the bench, but I'm standing in my little cubicle, so nobody listens. <laughs> right, right. You're trying to yell over Panger. Trying to, trying yeah. to yell. Well, um, that wouldn't be very hard. Right. Uh, what do you make of Travis Dermott and the the number switch? He went from three oh. Dion Phaneuf's number, and he showed up, and there's a new number in his stall. And I asked him, and he said, "I don't know." Yeah, I don't get why he would have had three in the first place if he wasn't going to have it three days later. Yeah. You know, That's... like if they wanted him not to have number three. I don't know if, if that came from upstairs that, hey, nobody's wearing number three right now. Give it a little time to breathe. See, to me, I don't think it, I don't think it matters. They're not retiring number three. Yeah. So, um, for those that don't know, that's what Dion put up for. But I, I don't, I don't like, nobody cares. I don't think like, it's if a... I look on, <laughs> if I look on the ice and it's number three and I go, yeah, that's what Fanoff used to wear, but Dermot's wearing it now. Well, yeah. Then, I mean, it's different if you would have stuck somebody in number four in Boston. Yeah. It's just, right? Like, it, it's super weird. That, it's super weird. The whole yeah. thing is weird. It's Lou, Lou, Lou it's got Lou's fingerprints. Well, by on. the way, what, and what we're going to find out is nothing. So he's now number 23. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Here you go, kid. That's it. Uh, I thought it was funny. I thought it was funny to give him three, and I thought it was funny to switch. Right? Right. Now, yep. Steve, when I got to the NHL, I thought you got to pick your number. Yeah. So I walk into the locker room. I'd been called up, and number 26 is handing, or is sitting in my. So mm-hmm. I was wearing number 20 in the minors, which was my the number that I liked, the yeah. number I wore in junior. Yeah. And uh, I got up there, it was number 26, and I was like, oh, I guess I'm number 26. What the hell am I going to – I'm 20 years old. Hey, I don't want to wear this number. Yeah, excuse me, Mr. Trey. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so all of a sudden you end up as whatever you, number they hand you. You got 20 when you went to the Islanders? Or did you yeah, get, I, well, I yeah. was 26 my years in Hartford. Yeah. Then I wore uh, – I got to New York, and I was number 33 – for about a month, yeah, and then they made a couple of trades, and uh, it's actually got a hockey card number thirty-three. It's a brutal number. I hated it, and uh, and then um, number twenty came available, and like on the same day, four of us switched numbers, which must have been brutal <laughs> for the trainers. I'm not sure why, but right. anyway, we all we all changed. I got number twenty, so then I get traded or signed with the island from the Islanders to the Rangers. Mm-hmm. I get number twenty. And uh, about a month later, I get a phone call from Neil Smith, the general manager, and he goes, "Hi, we just picked up Luke Robitaille in a trade, and uh, you got you got to switch numbers." And and at this point, you are a veteran. You are a veteran yeah, guy. I, I was, yeah. well, I think I was twenty nine. Yeah, twenty eight at this like, time. And so I'm like, "All right." I said, "How about number twenty six? And they said, "Well, Joe Kosher wears that." I go, "Okay, what do you got?" They go, "We got number twenty one." I go, "Wow." Are there any other options? They're like, nope. So I'm number 21. That's brutal, man. So I wear man. 21. Yeah. I get traded to L.A. six months later. So I wear number 20. Uh-huh. Two years later, Luke gets traded back to L.A. <laughs> so we're on the bike before training camp, and he goes, hey, buddy, what are we going to do about this number? I said, well, I gave it to you last time. you got to buy it from me this time. Right, right. And so, and so I ended up with a, a trip to Hawaii and a week stay at, at, uh, in Maui. For number twenty, so that worked out fine. Then I went back to for a number twenty six for a number. Yeah, 
Well, I wasn't giving it to him again. Yeah, but I already holy had it. Shit, that's five grand. That's six grand. Uh, I, no one, Luke. He had some trade worked out. It probably cost him twelve dollars <laughs> and two tickets or something. Oh well, um, I, I that that is really surprising that Neil Smith would call you a veteran thirty goal man, you know, and say, "Hey, like you don't even have a choice. Like we're taking your number." Like yeah, and then and then. He, the, it's funny. He called me to tell me I was changing numbers. He never called me to tell me I was traded. <laughs> right, right. There you go. Right. Jeez. And and uh, you went there as a free agent. Like you were pitched. You 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 went there. Oh yeah, I uh, was the guy. I yeah. was the one for for six months. Right, right. You're... Oh boy. Um. Hey, you also uh, you also did an NBC Sports game. Your first one of the year. Uh, it was Wild and Blackhawks, was it? Blackhawks. No. Nope. Um, what am I missing? Detroit. Detroit. Detroit Chicago. Yeah, I was yep. traveling. Um and um. Ed, Eddie Olchuk, you saw Eddie, our Edzo. We had him on the yeah, pod a few fun. times. It was good yep. to, yeah, it was good to uh, to see Edzo. He's um, he's got three treatments left for um, the colon cancer that he's battling, and um, it was just awesome to see him and you know think about him a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, Edzo's got Edzo's got such great energy when you're around him, and I you know I I got the sense and standing around him there for a couple hours that. There are a lot of people that care about him, boy. He's, everybody stops by from people that work in the rink to Blackhawk players when they walk by to both teams' coaches to, you know, he's very close with Joel Quenville, but yep. Jeff Blaschel was really excited to see him. And, you know, I, I just, I'm glad he's got the support. And I know he's doing, he's doing well, but, um, you know, it's, um, you know he's, he's said many times both publicly and just to his friends that this is, you know, one hell of a fight there. The chemo and the treatments yeah. are are really really difficult, and uh, but he's hanging in, and he's got three left, and he's got it That's down awesome. to the number of days, and um, you know, and then and then you got to wait and see. But um, yeah, I'm hoping and praying for for him. He's a he's a good buddy. Yeah, yeah, it must have been cool to see him for sure, right? It's, it, it's, and it was fun yeah. to work a game with him because yep. I never have, and so uh, yep. we had we had a few laughs, and uh, mm-hmm. the game was good. Doc, of course, is always great to work with, and. Um, although I've not worked with him. When I say he's great to work with, he's just a great guy to be around. Yeah. It's really the first game I've worked with him. I'm working with him this Wednesday. I'm back in. First game you've ever uh, worked with Doug Emmer? Really? Yeah. Oh, wow. Um, every time I've been, it's been funny. Every time, for the most part, I've been at NBC, I've been with either Gord Miller or Chris Cuthbert. Right, right. Yeah, <laughs> so, they just parachute um, you in. Uh, right? done, a, done a couple games with Johnny Forsland as mm-hmm. well. But um, but I'm back in, in Chicago this Wednesday for uh, Toronto's in there. Uh, for another NBC game, so I fit those in around right. when I can around my TSN schedule. Well, I'll tell our listeners that uh, Eddie Olchuk and Darren Pang, the two guys you just worked with there, before we hit when we have them on our show, before we hit record, it is nothing but just chuckles. Yeah, they are uh, they are good people. They are funny guys. They have just uh, you know some guys without even trying to be funny. Yeah, they just are. Yeah, and um, that's that's how I that's how I think of those guys. They're good buddies. I'm yeah. glad uh, <laughs> glad they're part of you know part of their lives. Um, switching topics a little bit. This is something I've had on my list for you for to talk about to you, and I, I run out of time. Or yeah, basically run out of time. Um, the last when did defensemen playing their right side? The, the the hand they shoot with, when did that become on in vogue? And it is crazy how coaches are sticking to this now. And I get it; it makes sense. But nobody cared. It seemed like for fifty years, and this is well, I, it now. I I think it's just at, uh, around the twenty ten Olympics mm-hmm. um, is when I remember it. Uh, and it was Mike Babcock and his coaching staff. They wanted right and left, 
on the blue line. Um, makes it easier for a D to D pass. It makes it easier to move the puck more quickly. And I think as the pace of the game is, has increased, it's become more and more important for the D to be able to get rid of the puck in a hurry. And so that's where I think the, the right left was around then. Yeah. Was born. Okay. And, um, and it, and it is something that they like to have. They would love to have three balanced pairs. Lots of times you don't. What's crazy though, is what is, the toughest to find is a right-handed defenseman. Right. Yep. I don't know why. Like I, I don't. I don't know why. Why would that be? Yeah. It just is. And rarely, like almost never, do you see two right-handed defensemen playing together. You see two lefties. Yep. But rarely two right-handers. Chicago uh, did it Sunday when I was there with um, who was it? Jan Ruta was playing with uh, Connor Murphy, and it and it looked. It looked weird seeing two right-handed yeah. guys together. But for yeah. a lot of teams, they're, they this struggle is, to find a right-handed yeah. defenseman to fit into their mix. And, and this is how they build teams now. This is how they build blue lines. It's, you know. They, they try. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yet, yet the Penguins won the cup last year with uh, Brian Dumoulin and Ron Hainsey, two left-handers playing together as, as yeah. part of their top pairing. Yeah, it's, it's crazy. So sometimes yeah. I, you know what, Steve? Sometimes I think – the perception isn't the reality. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, oh, we've got to have a left and a right. And I just gave you an example of why you yep. didn't need one. Yep. Right? So, but everybody everybody has it in their, it seems like, in their vision of what, what a defense should be built like. Yeah, when you're reading about players and you're reading about possible fits and, and, and signings and things, the media guys are like, well, it's not going to fit there because he's a left-handed shot. And you're like, what, what? <laughs> like, yeah. You know, like, if he's the right guy, he's the right guy. Yeah, and, and most guys can work around it. Um, it, it. It's easier, sure. Yeah, but if the guy's not available, it's yeah. not available. I mean, didn't Ray Bork play his wrong side his entire career? But, but again, yes, yeah. the answer is yes. yes. But, but again, we're talking about a different game. Yep, yep, yep. And so, so but yeah. today, if Ray Bork were available, or Scott Niedermeyer, who yep. could play either side and yep. and look like he was not trying, um, if if they were available today, then mm-hmm. maybe they would do it. Right. You know, Morgan Riley and Ron Hainsey are two left-handers that play together, just off the top of my head. Yeah. Um, Chicago, okay, here's the crazy thing. So Chicago now has put Jordan Osterley with Duncan Keith. They're two left-handers, and they got two right-handers playing together. Yeah, so... So, right. again, in theory, it's a great idea. Sometimes, in reality, it's just not the way it is. And maybe its importance by the media is a little overstated. As far as who oh, fits, who. gee, that would be a first, wouldn't it? <laughs> yeah, really, right. <laughs> just like you know, just like you need a, somebody. You're going to make a trade for a guy with intangibles. Yeah, there's a great line from Wayne Gretzky. Someone told him, "Well, this guy's good in the room." He said, "Well, good, leave him there." <laughs> you want guys that are good on the ice, right? right. Somebody told me or I read something or saw something on TV recently that Gretzky might have had an all-time chirp. A guy had got called up uh, from Binghamton. And uh, he asked, he was on the ice with Wayne, and, and he came up to Wayne before a face him and said, where do you want me? And Wayne apparently said, back in Binghamton. <laughs> yeah, back in the American League. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Well, it's a, there is, uh, there, he didn't have to say much. Can you imagine um, Wayne saying that, how crushy he would be as a player oh, on the ice? There, um, I, I, I don't know if I've told this story on the air, but yeah. um, Somebody had asked me if I'd ever spoken to Wayne mm-hmm. some time ago, and I said, well, actually only once, and we were playing in a game, and, you know, 
he was cheating on the face-off so badly. All the veterans got to do it. I was just yep. a young guy, and us young guys had to stand like a statue, right? All right. And so I, uh, I said, um, why, uh, I said to the linesman as we were standing there, yep. hey, why don't you just throw the puck in the corner and get this over with? <laughs> right? Right, and, right. And Wayne looked at me and goes, why don't you shut the fuck up? <laughs> And put your stick down. Right. So I just put my stick down, yes. and I lost the face off again. Right. There you go. Yes, and sir. Yes, so sir. I, I had never, never spoken to him other than that. Right. So years later, we're playing golf uh, in L.A. Um, with Russ Cortnell, mm-hmm. and uh, Russ says, uh, and uh, he goes, oh, I was with Russ Cortnell and John Butchergrass, mm-hmm. and he says, hey, we got a, uh, Gretz is going to join us. He's going to be a force. And I'm like, Oh, okay. I've never really talked to him. The carts were already set up, so I'm riding with him. Mm, yeah. So he says hi. I mean, he's super nice, yeah. right? And so we're like on the second hole, and I tell him this story, and he he thought, you know, I was like, yeah. you know, I've only really talked to you once, and so I told him the story, and he thought, it, you know, yeah, got he lo- a loved it. it, right? right yeah. yeah, loved it. It's just so weird to see Wayne chirping, right? Like to hear stories yeah. like that. You're like, what? Really? <laughs> um, speaking of right-handed shot defensemen and Blackhawks. Cody Franson, has he – is this not the Cody Franson I, I've seen? Is something been on with his game the last little bit? Because he got he went through right-handed shot, very desirable, $1 million a year, and he uh, cleared waivers. I couldn't believe it. I'm like, what? Well, the, I, I'd say the, the thing that there's more um, to the story there always becomes when guys go on waivers, mm-hmm. uh, you've got to – You've got to think, okay, what teams might claim them? And if they claim them, do they already have a guy like Franson in their organization? So if they do, they're not going to claim another one. Yeah. Teams get close to 50 contracts right now, um, and, th- and that gives them no leeway at the trade deadline. Yeah. So a player like Franson, while somebody might be interested in him, they just literally don't have room yeah. for him uh, on, their, on their depth chart, on their organizational chart. And so you slip through. But what that does do is um, it probably initiates a couple of conversations around. I, I would suspect Franson is a guy that's in a deal sometime between now and the deadline. Mm-hmm. I was uh, I was surprised. I hadn't watched him a ton, you know, since he left the Leafs or went to Buffalo. Probably right. I saw him a lot with the Sabres, but I'm like, oh, boy, Cody Franson uh, through the through – the, well, like you said, though, for cap room, like I was looking at cap space maybe a couple days ago, a couple teams have – Less than five hundred thousand dollars in cap space. You know what I mean? Oh, like, now, some so. teams, some teams probably have le- way less than that, yeah. depending on the day. Yeah, you know they're literally yeah. working at it day to day, trying to keep cap room. And and then there's some teams, you know, Montreal, I think's got about seven million dollars. Yeah, and you can say, well, why don't they just spend it? Because you're not going to spend it on players you don't want. Yeah, exactly. You know, it's got to fit yep. whatever you're trying to get done. Uh, a little bit of controversy. I don't know if controversy is the right word this week, but uh, Anaheim Ducks, Andrew Cogliano, he's 173 games, 134 games short of Doug Jarvis's Ironman record, and he's suspended for Adrian Kempe for a hit. Like, it was kind of, I don't, I, I saw it, I didn't see a close angle. I saw an overhead shot um, twice, and he was kind of alongside him, and he gave him a little shot. People are a little upset because they're saying that uh, because of his past record, which is spotless, and because of this record, yeah. they should they should have just let it go. What do you thought? What's your thought take well, on everything? I I I think it's a suspendable hit, mm-hmm. given the fact that he has nothing, not a blemish in all those years of of yeah. being in the NHL, like not, not even one blemish on there. 
um, they they could have easily let him off with a fine, mm-hmm. and I don't think anybody would have been too terribly upset. Yep. The hit, um, you know, when he explains it and you watch it, I can see where he says, "Look, I didn't, I didn't extend upward. I didn't, yep. you know, we he kind of jumped past me." Um, and and the reality is, if it wasn't Cogliano, um, nobody would care. Yeah, they would say, "Okay, two games, and yep. that's fine and good because it's a hit that's high." And and that's fine. Um, it's interference. I mean, the puck was long gone, and and players get suspended for interference now. Mm-hmm. But the thing that sucks is he's you know at eight hundred and thirty consecutive games, and it's not like you get to start a new streak. It's no. over. Yep. You know, and if you do, you're going to play two hundred games in a row, and big deal, right? Like that's that's yep. that's the severity of that suspension, and it and it must have been a difficult one, I would think, because you'd have to have in the back of your mind, man, if I suspend him, this is over. Well, his former teammate, too, George Peros, right? Right, like that yeah. That would be it. Yep. And so they make the call, and right away I start thinking, man, these streaks, the, le- the longest streaks, have all ended under the oddest circumstances, not with injury. Gary Unger, who had the record forever mm-hmm. uh, at 714 games, his ended, he sat on the bench for a whole game, didn't get a shift. Like, could you imagine ending like that? Yeah. No, no, another one was Steve Larmer. Um, he was, I think, 864, so he was ahead of Cosby. Yeah, he was Anna. closer, yeah. yeah. His ended on a contract dispute. Right. He held out, <laughs> and that was the end of his. Yeah. Uh, Doug Jarvis, who has the all-time record, his ended on a healthy scratch. I was playing in that game, and they scratched him for Brent Peterson. Oh, what was that like that with the out- team? Oh, it's kind of awkward. Yeah. You know, Brent's a hell of a guy, and he was like, he was put in a real bad spot. He's like, uh. <laughs> yeah, okay, I'm in, and Jarvie's out, and that was kind of the end of it. And, mm-hmm. you know, it was kind of an awkward deal. But And then Cogliano's ends with a suspension. Yeah. Pretty, cra- pretty crappy, yeah. actually. Yeah. He was really broken up about it in, in the interview. Like, it was, uh, I was surprised. Well, he was, yeah. He was... Look, Andrew's, Andrew's been a hardworking, diligent player. For a long time, he's a thirty-five point, forty-point guy. Kills penalties. He's fast. He's and there. You know, he he said, you know, coming to work every day, he hopes people realize that that's important. Well, he should be really proud of it. Yeah, he really should. And um, it's a terrible way for it to end, but he should always be really proud of it because here's the one thing: there's, I think, there's been about five thousand players that have played in the NHL. Maybe I'm off, but I think it's about five thousand. And that's it. I mean, it's it's a pretty exclusive group. Not many of us get known for something. You become one of the five thousand players. It's still pretty cool, but you're just one of them. Yeah. You know, you could you could pick, I don't know, fifty players, and you can go, you know, or the hundred greatest players, and even some of them you can't really identify what you know them for. You know, Gretzky for all his points, and Lemieux for his skill and or for being the greatest defenseman of all time. And, mm-hmm. and Wendell, Cogliano, Wendell Clark for just being Yeah, amazing. No, I see you're now you're side training this. Just amazing. And so um, that, that Wendell's one of the 5,000. You're right. And so uh, Cogliano was known for this and would have been on the path to being known as the all-time Ironman leader. And, and that's, I, I think that's why when you, you know, you say he was emotional about it, mm-hmm. you bet he was. Yep. Like it was a chance 
not that you're trying to do something so you get remembered, but yeah. it was a chance to be remembered for something that nobody else can do. Yep. Um. Hey, so what's really cool, I think, we've talked about the Canadian Olympic team, we talked about the Olympics in general, and NHL players not going. Well, the Canadian team was named um, this past week, and I love it, man. I am excited. You are going to get to call them, which is awesome for you, and I, you, now you have to do another deep dive after the World Juniors. But um, I think it's great, man. I love, I love the fact that these guys, some of these guys are getting their first, second, third chances at, at, the, at Spotlight, and some of the kids are unknown a little bit. Um, I, I, this is so intriguing to me. I'm, 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 I'm happier with this team than the NHL team. I really am. I know I'm in the minority, but I think this is cool. Well, I hope it's going to be a really interesting tournament. And one of the reasons it will be was the last tournament had zip. I know all the best. Oh, yeah, it was best on best. Canada just steamrolled its way through it. It didn't even I – can't, I can't even remember uh, yeah. something something of drama in those games. There wasn't. They just – it was like methodical. They just, it was like they had a club and they just beat everybody <laughs> over the head with it. Right. And so this, you know, like we're – Chris Cuthbert and I are doing the games for CBC, and uh, we leave on uh, February the 11th. And so um, we're starting to do our prep, or you know, we have been started, I guess, for the past little bit. And uh, today we're going to talk to Craig Ramsey, who's coaching Slovakia, mm-hmm. and find out about his roster. We're going to talk to the Swiss later today or tomorrow, um, but they haven't named their roster just to get some, you know, some general. Yeah. Um, uh, information on them. So we're putting this together and what we're finding is there is going to be outside of the Russians, no clear favorite. Yep. And Russian hockey is really an interesting deal. They, they can, if they're in front, they are fabulous front runners, but they can come apart at the seams like yeah. nobody's business. And so one of the, those, one of two things will happen. They'll either win a gold medal and they might be inspired by the embarrassment of, they can't compete as Russia. Mm-hmm. They've got to compete as yeah. you know the Olympic athletes of Russia, whatever that is. <laughs> whatever it is, but, yeah, yeah. But but I that could be a, a rallying point for them. They're, the one thing you know we the Russians are so different than than we are, um, just as as people and a culture and the way they think. But one thing they are just like Canadians about their hockey. They're very proud, right? They're extremely proud, and I. I think they would use this as kind of a mm-hmm. a rallying point. Now, will it be enough? I think yeah. they got the best team. But after that, Steve, I'm telling you, there is about five nations, and they're all the same because they're all under the same circumstance. Now, is Canada going to be good? I don't know. What about the U.S.? Maybe. Yeah. Sweden? Probably pretty good. The Finns? <laughs> I think so. The Swiss? I think they're going to be a factor. And so not all of those would be factors if the NHL players were available. So it is cool. I'm, you know, I saw some names there that, you know, guys that I know a little bit for Canada, uh-huh. uh, uh, young defenseman Stefan Elliott, um, who's uh, same age as Landon, uh, my son. So I know Stefan. I know Christian Thomas, Steve yeah, Thomas, Steve Thomas boy. Kid, so, yeah, yeah. you know, I played against Derek Roy and guys like that. So it, it's going to be, yeah. it's going to be pretty cool to I see. Think... And at the other end of the lineup, You've got uh, the Swedes. They've named Rasmus Dahlin, who's saw, 17. Yeah, I saw that. You know, so, like, I think it's going to be a cool tournament. I, I hope Canada gets off to a good start um, because I think that will help perk up the interest a bit. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is the way I've, I've thought about it, Steve, and I think I've said this on the show, is that we watch the Olympics and we cheer for somebody wearing the colors of where we live. 
we don't necessarily know them six minutes before the race. Mm-hmm. But the, the Olympics are about telling a story about an athlete that's an incredible athlete, a world-class athlete that we don't know anything about. So you tell the story and you find yourself hooked in. And I think that's what the hockey tournament can be about. And, and for me, that's Gilbert Brule, a high draft pick, couldn't stick in the yep. NHL. Uh, Mason Raymond trying to hang on, you know, and get play the game. Derek Roy, the same deal. I love it. It's great. I, I'm, so in. I'm I'm all in. Yep. Well, and and you know, people, you know, I'm not getting up at two in the morning to watch Canada play Slovakia uh, with these guys. The mm-hmm. people that say that they weren't getting up at two in the morning to watch Canada play Slovakia if the NHL guys were there. Either. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're either you're going to get up and watch or you're not, and if you don't, yeah. you're going to watch it on replay. Um, touch and, and that's what's going to happen whether the NHL guys are not are there or not. Talking about the Russians and their international uh, Olympic hockey results and, and, and World Cups and whatever else, World Championships, they either win going away, right, or they just implode, right? <laughs> it, is, it has happened many, many times. With You know, it was a great embarrassment for them that they flamed out in Sochi. And um, yep. that's just the way it was. Yep. You know, like they, they looked like they were going to be in the, in the very top of the tournament, and all of a sudden the thing just pancaked on them. <laughs> it's uh, it'll be interesting. So I'm all in. I'm interested. You're got to be stoked that you're going, and uh, more work for you. I am. I'm not. Course, I'm not pumped for the 13 hour flight. But yeah, the tournament will be fun. We'll work. We're going to work a ton, and then we're going to turn around and come back. And then I got two days off or three days off, and then I'm in Vegas for my only trip uh, to Vegas. Yeah, that's, that's where we hang out. You and I. Well, well. That's where you can buy me dinner. Yeah, well, that sounds all right. Um, Mark Sh- <laughs> that, that's very unenthusiastic. Yeah, I'll do it. I'll do it. Uh, Mark Shifley has been out of the Jets lineup, but uh, they're six, three, and one in their last ten, and they're rolling along. They're leading the Central. I'm surprised. Connor Hellebuck. I think he's in the Vesna race. He's a nominee. He really has been playing great. He, he might be. He might be. Yep. He has had a fantastic year. Um, I think the Jets are Canada's best team with. Uh, right now, certainly not the hottest. That's Calgary, yep. who've won seven straight as we do this. Yep. Uh, but I think the Jets are the deepest, most balanced team. Uh, the, their big question was, could they get enough goaltending? And Hellebuck has done that. He's been fabulous this year. Apparently, he worked in the summer with his goalie coach, and they basically redefined how he was moving around the net. And uh, it must have been really difficult to break old habits. Mm-hmm. But he's come back, and he's looked nothing the same. He's, yep. been, he's been terrific. And the Jets are... I mean, you know, Shifley's a stud, uh, outstanding player. And being out of the lineup, that's forced some other guys into having to respond. And the guy that just jumped out has been Blake Wheeler. He's moved to center and continues, uh, mm-hmm. you know, just a, an unreal year in Winnipeg. Now you're a fan. You like Wheeler. Oh, I, yeah. <laughs> I like Wheeler a lot. Yeah. I like I like Shifley. Shifley is, as I said, he's yeah. a stud. Yeah. And you put the two of them on the ice, and you got these big guys that can skate and handle yeah. the puck and – they're yeah. they're real tough to handle. Bufflin's back now, so yep. Um, they're fine. Yeah, they're healthy, and they're yep. outside of Shifley. They're you know they've had a couple of injuries. Adam Lowry and uh, Brandon Tanev have you know been key players on their third line. They've been out, but they have this depth that they've built over the last five years. And the people in Winnipeg are getting antsy, and they're like, "When's this depth ever going to be anything?" Well, it, it is now. It's a thing, and it's it's helped keep them afloat. Yep, absolutely. All right, let's take some Twitter questions, and we'll wrap it up. Paul Pocky podcast show. Uh, get it on uh, Stitcher app. Get it at on any kind of podcatcher. 
iTunes, of course, paulpocky.com. We thank you people for listening and downloading. All right, here's some questions for Ray Ferraro from you, the listeners. Uh, first up, from Albert Pascuzzi. Hey, Ray, which one would you attend? World Juniors next year, I live in Victoria, or the Winter Classic in Chicago, which is my favorite team? What do you think? Oh, His favorite teams in the Winter Classic or the World Juniors are in his hometown, basically? Well, the Winter Classic's in Notre Dame, I think. Mm-hmm. So that might be pretty cool. Um, you got to be prepared, though, if you spend the money to go to a Winter Classic. You're just going for the show. You're not going for the game. Yeah. The game's not, the game's not going to be great. Or if it's like any of the other ones, it probably won't be. Yeah. Um, the, the Junior Tournament is, um, you know, Canada's going to be in Vancouver. Uh, the U.S. will headline the group in in uh, in Victoria. Um, you know what I think of the junior tournament. Yep. If you want to go to one game, go to Chicago. If you want to go to multiple, then stay in Victoria and get over to Vancouver for the medal round. And um, I think you'd have you'll watch awesome hockey at the World Juniors. But the but the Chicago event, because yeah. um, they're your favorite team, it's just it's an event. It's not. It's, you're not going for the game. Yeah, yeah. You're you're far away. It's cold. Oh, you're, <laughs> the game's in Notre Dame. He might be in Chicago. Right, right. Uh, Albert says, by the way, I was in Trail two summers ago for a wedding. Ridiculous selection of salami. Is Trail the salami capital of... Uh... No, Trail, heavy, uh, heavy Italian population. Okay. You're looking for cold cuts. You can find it there. And if you're there, I've told you about this place before. Oh, you got to go to the colander. Yeah. No, I'm... I... I, we've got a photo of it from a, from a listener. It's great. It looks fantastic. Um, it is outstanding. Uh, Grandpa Skinny Jeans says, does Ray have any book recommendations? I've heard him mention a baseball book in the past. Just wondering if there are any standout reads to be on the lookout. Well, it depends. It depends what people like. Like, are they, are they mm-hmm. looking for sports? Are they looking for, like, there's a, one of my favorite books. Uh, is called The Power of One. It's a book by um, Bryce Courtney. It's about this little kid growing up in apartheid South Africa. He wants somehow he's got in his head he wants to be the middleweight champion of the world, boxing. And the people he meets, it's an amazing story. I love it. Another one called Shantaram. It's uh, about this guy that escaped. It's a true story. He escaped prison in Australia, somehow immersed himself in culture in his shanty town in India and became like a kind of like a part-time doctor and a, it was like everything in this community. It's a, those are two of my favorite books I would recommend um, that, uh, that don't have anything to do with sports. Uh, the boy, baseball book he's talking about is Ball Four. Yep. Um, I would, I would rec- the last book I read was uh, uh, Game Change by Ken Dryden. Uh, about, it's basically yeah. about the life of Steve Montador, I need to and I would that. highly recommend yeah. it. It is, Ken wrote... Uh, a book that really, really struck a chord with me. I, I thought he did a fabulous job with it. I uh, I just finished Gilmore's autobiography, of course, because me being me. Um, yes. <laughs> yes. Uh, and uh, I'm actually trying to get through ESPN. Uh, these guys have all the fun for the second time. You know, the oral history of ESPN. Right. It's, it's, right. it's great. It and, reads a little different now, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. For sure. Um so that's a couple. You things. know, like it's it's funny. Like if you go back and read a book, and then you put it into today's context, and you're like, "Ooh, yeah." You're like, "Oh, There's a wait few a things that sound uh, <laughs> sound a little different." That's for sure. Yeah, no, it does sound a little crazy. I do you? I have to read books on an iPad. That is my. I do not read real books anymore. I don't like. I just love the iPad. How do you read books? Do you, are you still a book, uh, book guy? I'm a book buyer. Yeah. Okay. 
Like, I, I like the book. I don't know why. Yep. The, the trouble with that is when I'm on the road traveling, if, like, I, I'm not going to bring a book like Shantaram on the road because yep. it's a thousand pages. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> so yeah, yeah. It's too heavy to carry around. That's yeah. where your iPad is the one. Yeah, I have to. I love the iPad stuff. So some books aren't available. Sometimes I look for a book and they're not available on an iPad. I'm, I'm bummed out. What, um, like Cat in the Hat, stuff like that? Yeah, yeah, stuff like that. <laughs> Um, Matt B says, uh, Ray, which team makes the biggest impact at the trade le- deadline, either by being the biggest seller, Ottawa, or biggest buyer, the Islanders getting a goalie? Like, is there one team you think is going to be very active either way? Well, I mean, I, I think Ottawa will be for sure, and, and they'll be in the news. Um, however many guys they decide to move and how they move them and who they move them for, of course, is um, – is really, you know, is really going to be a big part of the story. So you can say the Islanders go get a goalie. Well, who are you going to get? Yeah. Which goalie are you going to get? Who's got a goalie that's going to help you that that team has views them as a luxury? It's, it's impossible. Yep. I mean, it, it's not impossible. It could be done, but man, it's going to be a real difficult, um, difficult chore for Gar Snow to find a goalie. Um, I would say don't sleep on Pittsburgh. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I don't know if people have noticed they've won four straight. Crosby's got two points in four straight games. Um, they're starting to come a little bit here. What if they can add an impact player or two? Mm-hmm. Because Jim Rutherford seems to, over the last couple of years, found a way to do that. Yeah, he has. He's been busy, for sure. Uh, the Wizard says, Ray, how come there are so few Hall of Famers on TV analyzing hockey while all other sports seem to have them in abundance? It's a good question. Oh, JR, Jer, Jeremy Roenick is very upset right now because <laughs> he's trying to get in the Hall of Fame. He's, yeah, but uh, it, it's a good question. I mean, yeah. like I was, I watched that, you know, that clip the other day where the NBA panel Did is in hysterics over oh. the LAPD being <laughs> called to the game. Like Sh- I thought, oh, honestly, great. I thought Shaq was going to fall out of his chair. Right? He throws, he's like, throwing papers around. <laughs> he, he can't handle it. But, uh, but I don't, I don't know why. Um, yeah. Obviously, they maybe they can't do it maybe they don't want to do it i mean if they if they called somebody i'm sure yeah. a network would be interested in saying oh yeah we'd like to have hall of famer a yeah uh, on you know on tv maybe they don't want to maybe they don't want to travel maybe i i don't really have yeah. an answer for you brett hall was great for the little he did it because he just he seemed to not care what he said he, right yeah. but so brett yeah. you know i worked with brett for a year at nbc right. and after a while like you know, he didn't want to fly in to New York all the time. Yeah. You know, because you're you basically we flew in Saturday. Um, you're there all day Sunday, and you fly out Sunday night. So mm-hmm. at least half of your weekend shot every weekend, and he didn't want to do it. Yeah. And so that's that's why he stopped. I don't think Brett was watching a lot of games either back then. <laughs> yeah, was, you know, he was. That's the other thing is like you yeah. can't just show up on TV nope. and 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 just do it. You've got to sort of have a feel for what's going on around you, and that requires time. Yeah. Uh, Herb Powell says, uh, is George McPhee from the Vegas Golden Knights, of course, is he really going to trade some of the picks for a rental player? Does this year's success hurt the building of the farm system? No. I don't They. I don't think you will see Vegas trade any futures for current players. Yeah. I, I, I just don't see it. Just just for what the the listener has is, yeah. is written in. Um they are not going to jeopardize the future uh, for this, you know, almost shocking run in the first part of the season. But on the flip side, 
do you think they're going to be sellers, which is what the original plan, I have no doubt, was? I don't think they'll be massive sellers, but I, you know, they've, you see they've started to cherry-pick some guys, sign them to one- and two-year yep. contracts. Yep. Marsha so got the long one. But I don't think, you know, I don't know, are you going to sign James Neal for four years? Like, that's, yep. That, yep. that was basically what you're going to have as a question for McPhee. Do you want, do you want to sign James Neal for four years, or um, do you want to move him to a team that might view him as a, an asset that could help them win a cup? Because the other thing is, you could move him now and re-sign him in the summer. There's yeah. no provision that says you can't do that. Yeah, that's a that's an awesome move, and I thought the Leafs were going to do that with Mats. Keith Kachuk did it in St. Louis. That's an awesome move. If you're just like, look, can you go somewhere for a couple months, help the team out with some with some great assets, and then come back? Yeah, I don't know. It seems like when they go, though, the other team that acquires them has to pay so significantly they're going to sign them. Yeah, I'm surprised it doesn't happen more. Oh yeah, but I can. I'm, I'm with you. Yeah. I, I think it would be a strategy I'd try to employ, and maybe teams do. Maybe they try to sign them back, and yeah. they just don't. It doesn't can't work. get the deal done. Yeah. Uh, from Josh says, if you had to lose one of Nylander, Marner to upgrade the Leafs D, which would you rather lose? Oh boy, that's a tough one. Well, not for me. Not for me. Yeah, I, I think I would probably move Marner. Nylander's great. I, I'm a Nylander. Yeah, I'm a Nylander guy. I think. I think there's something there uh-huh. um, that that hasn't been tapped yet. I'm I'm also I'm also uh, a fan of Marner. Mm-hmm. I think he's electrifying. But I, you know, you gave me two choices, and so I got to yeah. pick one. So I I would keep Nylander and and move Marner. A long time ago, one of the questions I had for you was uh, JVR or Bozak, who uh, comes back, and you were sort of on the fence and. You had said JVR, if anybody, and now I think 100% chance Bozak is not coming back at this point. This yeah, I, I agree. Yeah. I don't think Bozak will be back at all. Yeah. I don't think there's any chance of that. Um, the question is whether they have the money to sign JVR um, in their longer-term plan. And you can look at the signing of Patrick Marlowe as maybe something that forces their hand on, yeah. on JVR. Because they've got to pay Marlowe $6 million bucks on the cap the next two years. And um, that might – because that's what JVR is going to make. Yep. And so can you pay $12 million to your first two left wingers, given the fact um, uh, you've got, you know, the, the younger guys coming yep. up for contract here pretty quickly. Yep. Um, Rays random NHLer from Jay Erickson. Rays random NHLer. Pat Falloon, Manitoba. Manitoba's own Pat Falloon. Oh, Pat Falloon could shoot the puck. Played with him on a world, ju- or, um, a world championship team. Uh-huh. Um, the little stocky guy. I don't know that um, that the game was easy uh, at that point for Pat because, or for anybody that size, because it was still the wrestle around phase. I think he would have been more effective today. Uh, he could skate down the wing and shoot the puck. The problem for Patty, as I remember, was that's what he did. Like that was it. <laughs> that's it. Right. You know, right, right. he was the second overall pick in the draft. Played out in Spokane in the Western League, mm-hmm. and. Um, yeah, he had a couple of really, really good years. When he was drafted, who would have thought that it was Ray Whitney who was the twenty-second pick? Was he or twenty-third yep. pick? Whatever the first or second pick in the second round was, right? That was Ray Whitney, I think. Yep. Yeah. Who would have thought that and, Ray uh, Whitney was the one to go on for twenty years? <laughs> yeah, Ray. Ray, one of the great all-time nicknames. I call him the Wiz. Yeah. And uh, hell of a golfer. Really good player. Really smart player. How about the fact he was a stick boy for the Oilers in the 80s? 
No. You had to you had to know somebody to be there, right? That's fantastic. And his dad was the third goalie, so yeah. that kind of worked well for him. Last question. I don't want to ask this, but I've been ordered to from uh, Pookie Mathis. Who was Ray's favorite Golden Knight? Mine is Alec Tuck, so tall and dreamy. I'm so sorry I had to ask you this. Yeah, well, I'm so sorry. I don't. Is... I would say that's not in <laughs> in my ballpark. Um, my wife is just she's right. Right now, right now, I'd say I'm I'm most intrigued with Carlson because he's had like kind of a out of nowhere year. Right. But I love yeah. watching Nate Smith. Nate Schmidt. Schmidt game. Yep. yep. Like well, when Nate Schmidt gets going. He is he's a beautiful skater. Um, he had he had an impact on the Washington Blue Line last year, and uh, I don't I don't think they were very thrilled that they they had to sacrifice him in the draft. I I watch him and I'm I'm like, why did they let him go? This guy's really good. He's big. Well, don't he can don't skate. forget it's yeah. not a lot of them though. A lot of them they didn't really have the choice because. Some contracts True, guys yeah, had to be yeah, protected, and yeah. you know, it, it, for a lot of teams, they they took a kick in the shins on a player they didn't yeah. want, and Schmidt was that. I mean, the same thing happened in in Minnesota. I mean, they didn't they didn't want to lose Alex Tuck. No, they knew they weren't they didn't have the cap room to sign Eric Halla, so they had to trade Halla mm-hmm. to Vegas, right? Like they didn't want to do that. No, but yeah. they didn't really have a choice. They had to. She she went down to the uh, fan fest. Um, the other day, and she said before she left the house, Ray, do I need to put on my wedding ring or not? I'm like, oh, boy. See, good for her. Good for her. <laughs> this is what I'm dealing with these days. It's really tough. All right. Um, Paul Pocky Podcast, another week down. Uh, thanks, everybody, for listening. Appreciate it. Ray, you are going to be, like you said, doing the Blues and Senators. Olympic calls today for you. Uh, so, yeah, you're uh, you're busy, man. Yeah, I got a, got a few things on the go. It's always good to be busy, though. I'm Happy to do it and uh, looking forward to trying putting all this information in some sort of form that makes it look like it's reasonable so I can get yeah. it on the air at some oh, point. Right imagine. now it's just a bunch of papers with stuff scribbled all over it. When do you leave for uh, South Korea? Uh, February 11th. Are we st- okay. So I would say the last couple of days before then will be 100% Olympics, like the NHL will drop off the map for me and um, just have to try and get all this information into my head and hope it doesn't fall out of my ears on the flight over. Are we going to do the podcast from South Korea? Are we going to do this? That's not going to happen. We got to figure it out. How do we do it? What's the time change? I don't even know. Uh, I think, oh God, I think it's, I want to say it's, could it be 12, 13 hours maybe? Yeah. It's a long way, you know? Yeah. Oh, I know. Yeah. All right, man. Well, I'll tell you who I'll tell you who won't be figuring out the podcast timing. Me. Oh, uh, we'll we'll do it. You, don't worry, everybody. We'll, yeah, because I have because I'm only doing three games a day, Steve. The next thing I want to do is another hour on the phone. That'd be awesome. <laughs> this is you. This is Ray. We, our, we will see. You might. We may get podcast vignettes. This is, is what might happen. Right. This is this sounds like summer Ray Ferrara right now. Ray, you want to do it's, something? Nope. 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 <laughs> no, I don't. <laughs> Ray, what about a short show? Nope. Yeah, uh, well, we, you can try that again this summer. I think I will. Yeah, I think I will. I'll try. All right, everybody. Well, thanks, Ray. Thanks for the time, and thanks, everybody, for listening. Thanks, everyone. Uh, talk to you next week. Uh, let us know what you think. Fire some questions in. If you, things you want to hear, things you, you don't like, things you want to hear more of, and uh, we'll get to it. Fantastic. Thanks, man. Later.